Yeah, the series is I Dare You. And I, I don't know, dares have probably always been stupid, but they've become more stupid um, since the internet. You've heard of the, uh, the Tide Pod Challenge? This is what kids do now, is they challenge each other to eat laundry detergent. Yeah, and then they get sick and die. So, yeah, they're little pods. You put them in your, in your washing machine. No, no, you eat them now. Like, wow, that's, 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 a, that's a heck of a dare. Today, uh, we're going to hear about uh, uh, Mary and the announcement that, that she is going to bear the Son of God. And uh, in that, I think there's a dare for us, um, a dare that's more important now uh, than ever before, and, and we'll see why. Um, but let's, let's take a look at this text. If you have uh, your, your phone or your tablet, or you can even use an analog Bible, they're in the pews in front of you, uh, you can follow along. This is uh, Luke 1, starting in verse 26. Uh, when Elizabeth, Elizabeth is uh, Mary's relative, uh, a cousin of some sort. Uh, she's just been visited by an angel. She's told that she's going to get pregnant with uh, the, the man who will become John the Baptist. And so when she's six months pregnant, uh, God sent the same angel that talked to her, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. And the virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You might be wondering, why is she so confused? Part of it is that she's probably not seen an angel before, and she's like, wow, you're an angel. But another part of it is that uh, she doesn't, she's not a favored person, right? She's a peasant girl in Nazareth. She's probably a teenager, right around 15, 16 years old, probably, um, and, and now she's been told that she's favored, that she has high, and she's like, I don't, it doesn't look like I'm favored, I'm poor, um, but okay, maybe. Uh, the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, God's honoring you. Look, you'll conceive and give birth to a son, you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. And Mary's like, whoa, slow down. How, how can this happen? I haven't had sex with anybody. And the ancient people, they, they were very well aware that, that in order to make babies, there has to be sperm that comes from a father um, and, and a womb for a mother. She's aware of this, and she's like, this can't be possible. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you. The power of the Most High will cover you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He'll be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your, re- your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. The woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just of you, as you have said. Then the angel left. <laughs> you have to wonder what it must have been like uh, for... A girl, 16, a teenager, um, of no means in the random northern town in Israel, a peasant girl, to be told, you're going to be pregnant. And not only are you going to be pregnant, uh, your, your son is going to be the, the king of Israel forever. Well, what's the normal thing that human beings do when we get some kind of crazy news? Or when we're just wondering how uh, things are going to work out in our lives? Well, the, the first thing we do, we ask, how? How, 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 how? 
This is impossible. How will this happen? I haven't had sex. How can this, how can this be? I know how this works. How is this company that I'm trying to start actually going to get off the ground? How is this relationship going to survive this tragedy? How, 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 how? How is it that Ryan's going to go forward? How is it that my dad could possibly wake up? How? These hows are actually, uh, they're, they're, they're crazier now than they've ever been in human history. Uh, so for most of human history, uh, people lived in uh, houses like the one on, on the, uh, the left here. Um, they lived in, in rural areas, okay? And now a massive shift has happened, especially in the first world, where uh, most people in the first world live in urban or suburban environments. Um, and let me just give you just a couple of Let me show you how that worked. In the year 1500, just 500 years ago, and and 500 years ago seems like a long time, but in terms of human history, it's not. It's very small. 500 years ago, in the city of London, England, there were 50,000 residents. 50,000. You fast forward 200 years to 1700, the beginning of the Renaissance, uh, mercantilism. That number in the city of London has ballooned from 50,000 to 500,000. So it's gone 10 times in just 200 years. Then from 1700, Industrial Revolution, to 1900, uh, the number of people living in London London ballooned uh, from 500,000 to uh, uh, 4.5 million in 1900. This is London and the the outskirts of London. In the 120 years since then, in 120 years it's gone from 4.5 million to 9 million. Now, that's a really interesting uh, change in the way that human beings live. And it's interesting for a number of reasons, one of which is that, did you know that in urban and suburban environments, um, mental disorders and mental health anxiety issues are uh, 20 to 30% higher than in rural uh, settings? We know this. We've done tons and tons of studies that show the same thing over and over. It varies depending on which study it is, but it's about 21% to 30% higher. We also know that mood disorders, that is um, being uh, like not clinically depressed, but uh, either stressed or kind of depressed, 40% higher in urban and suburban environments than in rural areas. Scientists can't figure this out. They're one, they've got all these, they've got theories for why this is. Um, but I actually, I think it's not that complicated, actually. I think it's pretty simple. Uh, the fact of the matter is living in a suburban or in urban environment just is a much more complicated way of living. Um, for the vast majority of human history, your life was very simple. It wasn't fun, but it was simple. Like, when the horse poops, you pick up the poop and you throw it away, or you make fertilizer out of it. And then you give the horse hay. It's not... It's not easy, and it's not fun, it's horrible. I mean, no, no one wants to live on a farm. Uh, actually, the Schmalhoffers, they're not here, they watch digitally now, because they've moved uh, to like a two-acre farm, like in the Ortega Highway somewhere. So, good for you, hope you're enjoying all the, the cow poo and whatever you're dealing with. Um, but normal, rational people are like, that's horrible, I wouldn't want to do that. But yet, I mean, you think about the, the way our lives actually function. Right? You think about the way we actually live, and it's, it's extraordinarily complicated. Listen, if you live in the rural area, if you live in a rural area, you don't 
for the vast majority of human history, you didn't have to worry about your kids going to soccer practice. I'm sorry, climbing, climbing practice. That's what the kids do here. Uh, you didn't have to worry about that. Uh, not only that, but um, you didn't have to be faced with complex you know, Excel spreadsheets. You didn't have to worry about um, enrollment. You didn't have to think about all the ins and outs of the healthcare system. Now, it was a bad way to live, but it was also a simple way to live. For us now, we're constantly wondering, how is this going to work out? How are we going to make sure that our kids grow up right with all these corrupting influences? You know, um, how are we going to get these things off the ground, these plans and projects that we have when we have so very little time? How are we going to get through these classes and understand these high-level um, physics? I mean, how are, how are we going to, how am I going to make it? How can this marriage last when we never see each other? How is this country going to survive if so-and-so isn't elected president? How, 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 how? I suggest to you that um, the lives that we live right now are so crowded, so overwhelming in a lot of ways because we're dealing with a complex environment that we, there's too much data, there's too much stuff going on and we can't understand it. And as a result, we worry because we don't know how things are going to wear out. We don't know how things are going to happen and so we're anxious. We become not maybe clinically depressed but at least down. We, we worry constantly. Well, that's the first thing in your note sheets. Always seeking the how of God is too much for us. The fact is we don't know how. We don't know how things are. One of the nice things about living um, in a traditional, more traditional way of, of human life is that you don't have to worry about all this stuff. You're, you're just like, oh yeah, God makes the seasons. God makes it rain. God does this. God does. It's just like that's. But but once you move into the kind of world and the kind of lives we live, you're kind of like Mary. You're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's impossible. There's no way this can work out. And if you're gonna show me, then tell. Okay, tell me how. Show me how it's gonna work. God often doesn't tell us how, but, but Mary's given a, she's blessed. And the angel's there, and the angel's like, you want to know how? Okay, I'll tell you how. This is what, this is what angel says. The Holy Spirit will come to you. Uh, some translations will say come upon you. And the power of the Most High will uh, cover you. Some will say overshadow you. These are very uh, normal, um, but they're also very uh, vague words in Greek. It's like um, the Holy Spirit will meet with you, uh, come to you. And then uh, cover is sort of like, uh, it's usually when clouds cover the sky and it makes it a little bit dark. That's, it's like, oh, that's why you'll get overshadow and you hear cover, right? Um, and, and so that answers Mary's question, right? She's like, how's this going to work? And it's like, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come and, and, and the power of God's going to be over you. Fixed, right? Now we get it. Oh, that's how you make a baby without a man. Ah! Mary's like, finally. And now, now, or maybe not. Maybe Mary's like, okay, that sounds like magic, but uh, 
What? This is not, this is not a helpful answer. In fact, uh, it's funny, uh, there's, for, for now thousands of years, uh, people have tried to figure out the mechanics of Mary getting pregnant with Jesus. And I'll tell you, no one's figured it out. Even here in 21st century, you know, with all the science that we've got, they're like, don't know how that worked. I should note, uh, there's nothing sexual about this language. Um, in the ancient world, there are lots of stories about uh, the gods uh, cavorting with, with human women. That's not what's going on here. Um, so it's just a mystery. And the angel's like, okay, okay, that probably didn't help. So here, how about this? Even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. It's like, okay, the Holy Spirit's going to do some stuff. And if that doesn't make sense to you, well, then how about this? How about this? I can tell you that, that your relative's now pregnant. Mary doesn't know this. Remember, there's no Facebook. Okay, Mary, Mary's, Mary's like, Mary kind of has to take the angel's word for it. Mary does not know that, uh, that Elizabeth is pregnant. She's, but the angel tells her. And so Mary's response is, I mean, this is the, the, you know, the, this is the Greek version of, all right. I, yes, what, yeah, okay, let's, I'll, let's do this. That's all, it's not, it's not like, she's just like, well, I'm, okay, let it, let it be. So, so, so be it. I, I, yes, I believe, I don't understand, but I believe. We, uh, we're, we're people who are obsessed with uh, not only just getting the how, but then um, developing the plans to make sure that the how becomes the now, right? Like, we, uh, we, we're, we're always fiddling and coming up with uh, our, our various schemes uh, to make things work out the way we think they should. Uh, there's a quote here from uh, Dwight Eisenhower. Uh, I love this quote. In preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless. But planning is indispensable. For those of you who don't know, Dwight Eisenhower was the supreme uh, commander of the Allied forces in World War II. He was responsible, ultimately, for um, designing and implementing the D-Day invasion of Normandy on June 6, 1944. At that time, uh, it was, maybe still is, the most brazen and enormous um, military movement in, in history. Um, for those of you, you know, you've seen the Saving Private Ryan or the various documentaries on the History Channel, um, thousands and thousands of troops uh, crossed the English Channel in boats uh, to France. There they literally rode up, stormed up beaches that were, you know, covered by machine gun fire. Uh, thousands of troops were dropped behind enemy lines uh, the night before. It was an absolutely mind-boggling attempt. The day before uh, it happened, Eisenhower wrote two letters. The first letter was the one that was written, or to, it was read to all the troops. And it, it's a short letter, but it basically says, you are embarking on the most important event in human history. God is with us. We will prevail. Um, God bless you and keep you. Yours truly, Dwight Eisenhower. 
It was typed up and distributed. There was a second letter he wrote. He wrote it in, in handwriting. Just It was for the President of the United States, Franklin Roosevelt. He said, given what we know, and that's not much, this is the best plan we can come up with. And if everything fails, I am at fault. The Koblenzes have a, have a saying that they like. They, like. they say, uh, we're, we're working on plan B until we uh, get God's plan A. And, and I think what they mean by that is, is that we can see only a little bit. We really can't see that far. Uh, we don't know how things are working out. But with what we have and with what we know, we're going to try and do our best to, to, to work out what we think God is calling us to do. And then we're going to go for it. But what we're really doing is we're waiting we're waiting for God to reveal something that we couldn't imagine. Something we don't even understand. But we're going to trust that he's going to do that. In the meantime, we're going to do the best we can. That's Mary, right? That's what Mary does. She's like, okay. I, yeah, all right. If that's, if that's what you're going to do, that's okay. I'm, I'll, I believe you. But I don't get it. If you look at the, uh, the way that D-Day actually worked out, um, there were some things that went very much according to plan. There were some things that were just completely chaotic and random. But somehow, it worked. And Eisenhower... On June 5th, didn't know how that was going to work out, but he trusted that it would. And that's the second thing in your note sheets. God is in the business of working out the impossible. We are in the business of trusting that that's true. That's it. There's a really good possibility that I'll never talk to my dad again. So I don't know how things are going to work out. But my job is to trust that God's going to work things out. And whatever that looks like, to trust that God's got it going and that, that God's doing it right. And all I can do is just say, okay. So what happens then? So, so Mary's like, Okay. What does she do? Um, immediately, uh, this isn't, we don't have this text. I, I skipped a little bit down. But immediately what she does is she runs to the countryside to meet Elizabeth. Right? She's like, she wants to find out. She's like, uh, is Elizabeth really pregnant? If Elizabeth is pregnant, then maybe I can be pregnant. She, she goes immediately to uh, Elizabeth's house. As she's walking in, Elizabeth hears her. And John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb jumps. And, and Elizabeth goes, goes, Mary, you know, God has chosen you, and God has chosen the child in your womb. Mary's like, this is the ancient version of an ultrasound. Like, she's, she's like, oh, it's true. I'm pregnant. It's true. Elizabeth is pregnant. I don't know how this all worked out, but man, it did. This is what she says. She says, Mary, uh, Mary said, with all my heart, 
I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Remember, she was surprised. She was concerned. She's like, I'm not favored. I'm a peasant girl. Now she's like, no, I'm not. I mean, I may be a peasant, but I'm like the mother who's bringing the Son of God to the world. Never again will people remember me as like this. this I'm, Wow! Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone. Uh, when you hear mercy uh, here, because she's echoing language from the Old Testament, it comes up again in the next uh, part of the text. But it, it's, it, that's, it's Elpis in Greek, but it's really uh, coming up with the, the, the idea of chesed, which is always translated Elpis in the Septuagint, but that doesn't matter. The point is, it's uh, referring to uh, God's committed, faithful love. Right? And she's like, look, God, it's true. God does show mercy to everyone. He is committed and faithful in his love for everyone. From one generation to the next, anyone who honors him as God, he's committed to. He's shown strength with his arm. He scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. Going on. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones. He's lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy again, remembering his covenant faithful love, just as he promised to our ancestor, to Abraham, and to Abraham's descendants forever. Did you notice that none of that's true? The only thing that's happened here is she got pregnant. Has anyone, has any powerful person come down from a throne? Has any hungry person been filled up? Has any of that stuff happened? No. But Mary knows that it will. Because she's going, wow! You really are the God you say you are. And if that's the case, then when you said you're going to take down the arrogant, I know it's true. If that means that when you said you were going to fill the bellies of the poor, I know now that that's true. I know that you really are who you say you are, who you are. You're never going to quit on us. You're never going to give up on us. Wow! I confess to you, I don't feel wow very often. Maybe some of you do, but I think it's actually, it's harder for us to feel wow these days. And I'll, I'll show you why, just uh, really quickly here. In 1993, when uh, Jurassic Park came out, we saw these two things. There's a Tyrannosaurus Rex on the left, it's a Velociraptor on the right. And man, if you were there with me at the big Newport on opening day, after waiting six hours, and I'm not kidding about that, six hours in line, uh, because our former pastor, Arch, uh, took us to go see the movie, but he went with his friends to eat dinner while his son and I stood in line for them, <laughs> waiting. Really, really classy guy. He also, put, uh, he also puts ketchup on, uh, on expensive steaks. So that's the sort of person he is. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when we finally got into the theater and I saw the, I was like, wow! What? They made dinosaurs real. Uh, they, it was a terrible choice, but Hollywood being Hollywood didn't stop making Jurassic Park movies. They're still making Jurassic Park movies. Uh, there's one coming out next year, is what, from what I understand. Now they star Chris Pratt. Uh, they're called Jurassic World. And uh, I, I haven't seen any of these movies, but I saw a clip from one just because, I mean, how many times can you do Jurassic Park? They're going to keep going. So but what are they going to do, though? What do they do? 
Okay, so here I am, I'm, I'm, you know, 12 years old or however old I was, and I saw that Tyrannosaurus Rex, and I saw that Velociraptor, and I was blown away. Well, now I'm not blown away by stuff. So what are they going to do? Well, I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to invent new dinosaurs. This is uh, from 2015 and 18, Jurassic World uh, and Jurassic World something else. Notice that Tyrannosaurus Rex doesn't wow people anymore, so now there's an Indominus Rex. They came up with a new, ty- a new dinosaur that they made with gene, DNA, whatever, and this dinosaur looks like a dragon. Right, and then the Velociraptors don't scare us anymore, so they have now an Indoraptor, which the scientists invented it, and now this Velociraptor looks more like a dragon. You can see what Hollywood's doing, right? They recognize that we're cynical. We've seen a lot of things. If you see if now, now you put up a picture of Half Dome. I saw Half Dome once when I was a kid, and I was like, "Wow!" Now I look at Half Dome, I'm like, "Meh." So what did they do? They made a documentary about a guy who climbed up Half Dome without any ropes called Half Dome Free Solo. Now I'm like, wow, this guy's a total psychopath. Who would do that? He is, really. He's a total psycho. Not a good human being. Good at climbing, though. We, we, we live in a world where there's no enchantment anymore. Right. They're, now they're, they're coming up with CGI, anything to, to wow us again. And it just dead, our, our souls are deadened over time. We see this stuff, we see it, we see it, and it's like, eh. But listen to what Mary sounds like. With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. And the depths of who I am, or the depths of my soul, Rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, this is like, hey, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy, holy, holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next. Anyone who honors him as God, he's faithful. He's shown his strength with his arm. He's scattered the arrogant and the proud. He's pulled the powerful down. He's lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel. He's remembered his committed faithful love. He's remembered his covenant just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Wow. This world, it's not what it looks like. Wow. The ones who have the power don't. Wow. No matter who, how small and weak and forgotten you are, God can lift you up. Wow. And he's never going to stop loving and being good. Wow. It's the last thing in your note sheets. Mary dares not to let the how of God get in the way of the wow of God. It's hard for me sometimes to to see the wow of God, but one thing I've noticed is um, Aaron, um, she's much more in tune with that 
And one of the biggest wows um, was, you know, the three times that we've gotten those, those ultrasounds. Where you look and you're like, wow. And I mean, I, you know, for those of us, for guys, I mean, we, how do we, we can be like, wow, but we don't, we'll never know what it's like to, um, to carry life. And isn't it crazy that this miracle that makes moms moms, it's like, it's just normal. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird that it's just normal for this miracle to happen, for, for women to carry babies into the world, for these little things to grow and, and, and then come to us and, and be people? Like, it's just... You don't need to sit there and look at the ultrasound and be like, well, how is this going to work? Because God doesn't want us to put the how before the wow. And so I dare you. I dare you. I have three dares for you. I have three dares. The first dare um, is the first dare is to stop asking how. I don't know where you're at. I mean, obviously, uh, for my family right now, the biggest how is, how is God going to work things out with my dad? For those of you who don't know, he uh, took a fall um, a couple weeks ago, traumatic brain injury. He's uh, non-responsive, um, and he's uh, now at a subacute care thing. <laughs> so I dare me <laughs> to stop asking how. And I don't know what it is for you. Um, you know, your kid's going to college, or, you know, trying to figure out uh, the right schooling, or you know, the, the way that you're going to go next in your business or, you know, I, I don't know what those wow, how's, uh, the hows are. I don't know what the things are in your life. How am I going to make it this next day? But, but stop for just a little while. Stop asking how, God. Instead, I dare you to start saying, wow, God. I don't have permission to do this, but I don't care. Um, so my dad fell, what, like four weeks ago, three weeks ago? It's a blur. But um, literally the day that he fell, it was a Sunday, and so we were in church, and um, we have a newer family, the uh, Josh and, and Leah, who've been coming. And I found out that Josh uh, is, he, he does, um, he owns, operates uh, some skilled nursing facility type things for long-term care. And this was before my dad fell, but uh, he just, he was, we were just talking, chatting, and he, he just said, hey, man, um, you know, we're getting to it. He's like, look, I know you're in a business where there's a lot of end-of-life stuff. If you ever have questions, just come to me. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Didn't even think about it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, my dad fell, and I was gone for a couple weeks and came back uh, last week, and I was like, really glad you're here. <laughs> Because I don't know what the heck is going on with my dad, but I know that they're trying to move him to some facilities, and I really have no, I'm, I'm lost here. And he's like, well, just text me. And I got to tell you, Josh, I appreciate it, man. I really do. You're uh, just, just uh, encouraging us and just giving us some insight. And, like, God, it was like, ah! Uh, and I was like, wow, God. I 
God, I don't know what's going to happen, but a few answers here and there is to help us. Wow. I dare you to start looking around and say, wow. Stop looking at the impossible tasks and just trust God's going to do what God's going to do and look at what he has and say, wow. Last but not least, I, I dare you to start recultivating your wow factor. Start seeing the world. Stop looking at the CGI and the Facebooks and the news and, 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 and start recultivating your ability to look and be like, wow, Half Dome. Wow, babies. Wow, moms. Wow, marriage. Wow, world. We weren't meant to have all the answers. We were meant to live in wonder. Start saying, wow. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we are grateful to be your children. We thank you for the blessings that you've showered us with. Open our eyes to see all the different wows that you've put in our lives. Give us the grace to stop trying to figure it all out and to understand every last thing, to demand all the hows. Instead, God, just fill us up with the wows of your love and the wows of your provision, the wows of your mercy and your faithfulness, the wows of your creation. And today on Mother's Day, God, I just ask that we have a special wow in our hearts for our moms. The moms in our congregation, the moms to be in our congregation, the grandmoms, the great-grandmoms. To just say, wow, you've been good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.